fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Hey everybody, and welcome to big episode number 73 of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal, paving your way, acting as your lead blocker to fantasy glory, fantasy excellence, fantasy trinkets, treasures, and everything in between. I am your host, Nat The Truth Jones, with me as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself. We are actually here early in the day, so, uh, you know, this is going to be, we're going to be, this is not nighttime uh, Nat's tired because he's been dealing with the kids all day. This is like early evening, late afternoon. So expect a little bit more sharpness coming from the old noggins today. How you doing, Wolf? Absolutely. Especially I mean, haven't had a chance to accidentally eat an edible before a show or anything of that nature. So right, I'll be extra Those sharp. Those accidents are rough. Have you, have oh, you been into any of the stores? Like, I mean, have you, have you been in any of the stores in Salem? I mean, are we allowed to talk about that on the I, air? Uh, I mean, they're legal, right? It's a dispensary, uh, and I haven't yet. I've been, I've went in, and it was just Seamus sent me the price menu. Seamus was the first of the Roto Street crew to check course, it out. Of course, he did. Good for you. Yeah, <laughs> um, and he sent me the menu, and it was just so expensive. So oh, how, how expensive it, is it? Like super it was expensive? like yeah, it was ridiculously like double what I would pay from my guy, who's a great connection. I don't want to ruin that relationship, anyways. No, so no, I understand. I, I have not been yet. No, um, I like my guy I, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Got to got to keep the guys in business, right? You got a customer loyalty. Right. Um so no, I'm I'm clear-headed. I'm clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose type of mentality. You know what show that's from? No. You've never seen Friday Night Lights, dude? No. Oh, uh, you're a good it. TV guy too. You got to get some Friday Night Lights in. That show's unbelievable. But yeah, everything everything's looking great except uh, the breaking news we're going to be discussing in a little bit. All right, well, let's get right into that. We got a few things to talk about, but not that many, so we have a little time to dive into this. Steve, the breaking yeah. news, of course, that the Wolf's referring to: Rob Gronkowski has retired from the NFL with a heartfelt Instagram statement. Uh, do you want to go into this a little bit, Wolf? I mean, we can talk about. Whether we think this is for real, uh, like, you know, permanent for real, I, I have no doubt that it's for real as of this moment. Uh, we yeah. can talk about where Gronk maybe ranks in the pantheon as far as, like, all-time guys. We can talk about it's how coming. this That's affects right. the Patriots moving forward and other people and stuff like that. Yeah, let's what, get into it. What are your thoughts? I mean, you got a lot invested in this guy. Of course, as a Patriots fan. I mean, there's every which angle. I could do a next hour podcast on Gronk if you wanted to. I absolutely love the guy on the field, so it, it hurts in that sense. You're losing, you know, in my opinion, probably the best to ever play the position. Uh, I mean, you got your Travis Kelsey's, Tony G's, but unlike them, Gronk's just flat-out dominant in both the running game and the pass game. Those guys are kind of pussies with the blocking and whatnot. This guy would pancake defenders in the blocking game, just so physical in, in both assets. So you got that just on field. Field, dominant presence that Belichick telling saying you know, this guy's a major reason for all of our championships. He's a lead at everything he did. Uh, you just can't really replace a guy like that. But I think it's going to be hit even further. And where Belichick really was praising uh, Gronk is the off the field uh, type of energy, the glue guy, the, that 
passion. Belichick saying his daily attitude, unmistakably positive energy wherever he went, whoever uh, whoever he touched, they just will never be forgotten uh, with Gronk here. So, I mean, uh, obviously as a Patriots fan, losing both that on-field dominance, that off-field glue style is, is, is brutal. And, and go, the TB12 saying Gronk was just, you know, it's going to be a, a major loss. So I, I get it, and that sucks. But also, just from the, the unselfish point of view, as a non-Patriots fan, I am kind of glad to see him off the field for at least a little bit. I right. mean, he's mentally and physically just so beat up. He's a tight end. You're getting hit on every single play, whether you're getting that constant contact of a lineman or you're getting drilled over the middle as a receiver. There's no really playoff from contact. So this guy's been getting crushed year in and year out. I'm happy to see him, whether this is permanent or not, you started to speculate already when you asked the question. I'm happy to see him get a break just as a non-Patriots fan perspective. Um, and then fantasy-wise, I mean, the, what happens from here, Tom Brady obviously takes a major hit. Is that that's one of the the best weapons to ever play the position? Only Julian Edelman really there as a receiver. Uh, there's nothing else behind him, so Edelman gets that bump up in terms of who else are they going to throw to? I think James White gets a sneaky bump up here as one of the only other trustworthy pass catchers on this roster. Uh, we saw uh, for whatever reason people never want to believe in James White, and I get it. Over years past, he's been a lightly used weapon until the playoffs, and we unleash him. But last year, this guy was the running back eleven in standard leagues, not that just not just PPR standard leagues running back eight and a half PPR. Uh, I think this uh, this offense is just going to funnel through him, Edelman, in terms of the passing game. I think Sony Michelle gets a bump up. This becomes even more run heavy. You lose Gronk's blocking ability, but they'll be able to find a blocking tight end that can make up for that. So he gets a bump up too. Uh, and, and that's, I'd say, what the, the fantasy um, bump is. But other than that, I, I, you know you were hinting at the fact that is this for real? And no, I think it's for real. I, I don't think this is do a lie. Do you think lie. it's permanent? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I he's 29 years old, you know, yeah. and and as a non-Patriots fan, you know, but so I don't I don't hate Gronk or anything like that. I, I mean, I it makes me happy to see someone that has taken care of himself financially, and mm-hmm. you know, the guy could step away and be fine. And isn't I, that crazy? The Gronk of all players was the one yeah, that the, the, the big idiot Gronk, who's maybe his, maybe not as uh, big an yeah. idiot as everybody thinks. Didn't I mean, spend a single dime of his uh, his his contracts. Only endorsement deals is what he was paying. That's ridiculous. He must have so much fucking money saved it, up. Yeah, I mean, and that's Gronk. It's good for him, and he's earned it. And and I will say, when you said he's arguably the best tight end ever, I mean, he's the best tight end ever. Don't kid yourself. Yeah. Like, I mean. I know you feel like you have to hedge on stuff like that because there's people that are going to jump all over you. It's like, give me a break. There's nobody that has been as good as him. I mean, he's, you know, as as just an offensive weapon, Mm -hmm. he's top two or three, maybe number one. But I mean, when you combine the blocking part into it, I don't believe that it's close. I mean, he's clearly the best tight end ever. Um, And I salute the guy if this is actually the end and if, he gets the itch and comes back halfway through the season or next year or something like that. Uh, I hope it works out well for him. What what I really don't want to see for, from this guy is him, you know, doing the right thing, leaving on top, age twenty nine, financially yeah. sound, mentally sound, or at least no dumber than he was when he started playing, and uh, then like coming back at the age of thirty one and like kind of falling on his face. I don't want to see that. Um, so I would just assume he stay away if that's going to happen. And, you know, I, I will only remember him as being a a phenomenal tight end force and a a amazing fantasy tight end, except last year. He wasn't that great, but, uh, (laughs) you know, good for him. And I'm, I'm sad to see him go on some level. I admit it. 
Absolutely. And if he comes back, I don't think it would be like age 31. It would be probably this year. And Rosenhaus, his agent, already kind of flaming that fuel, saying if the team was struggling, they needed him at some point next year. Let's say hypothetically Tom Brady gave him a call and said, Rob, I need you. I wouldn't be shocked if he came back to play a few games, said Rosenhaus. So, I mean, Rosenhaus, who works on commission, by the way. Of course. Yeah. So he's, of course, fueling that fire and and speculation. But it wouldn't surprise me either. You know, (laughs) the playoff run, they're gearing up for it and they're not the Patriots passing game that we're used to and he's just like hey yeah maybe these last two weeks I'll get warmed up and then go up for a playoff stretch run with the boys it wouldn't shock me in fact our Instagram yeah I know we're a biased Instagram we have a lot of Patriots fans but 58% Don't we of them have Gronk's brother doesn't he yeah, love dude, us? He loves all our stuff, I man. He always, yeah, Chris Gronkowski, Thanks, Chris. much appreciated. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm sure maybe he maybe he voted on it. I should double check what his side of the vote yeah, was. Yeah, see what Chris Gronkowski said. Yeah, 58% said Gronk's going to return, so more than half are thinking he comes back. And I, I lean on that side, too. As long as Brady's still out there and we got a shot at titles, I don't think we can rule Gronk coming back. Uh, but, uh, yeah, as you you said it all perfectly. The guy goes out on top. Uh, he's got everything from the money to the just status of being the best ever to play. So if he doesn't come back, you know, it's great. I'm sad to see that presence gone, especially as a Patriots fan. But good for the guy. He, he made himself a, a legendary career, a Hall of Fame career. Unbelievable. All right, so we start with, uh, you know, talking about who we agree is the best tight end in the history of football. So now we'll go to the second best tight end in the history of football, Jared Cook, who has been strongly linked to the Saints over the past two weeks. He's reportedly not going back. Uh, He's not going to back out of his commitment to New Orleans, despite the fact that the Patriots are showing some interest in him uh, in the wake of the Gronk retirement. What do you think about this? Yeah, it obviously makes sense for the Patriots to try to go after this guy, and it sucks that they didn't like go after him harder early on. Uh, just kind of like the Adam Humphreys. They they had the guy they really wanted. They didn't give him enough up front early on, and then he signs with someone, and they give him a second offer, and they're like, no, we'll be even better, and they just don't want to go back on their word, back on their contract, which sucks. I don't get it. Why don't you want to come join the, the best team to ever play? Uh, you get, get yourself a good shot at the Super Bowl, but whatever. So, you know, I wish we had Jared Cook. He'd be a great replacement. I'm guessing they're going to go. This is, this is, if there's ever a year for the guy to retire, a very tight end, rich draft. So maybe we get Noah Fank or you know these are these Iowa guys. There's just Iowa just breeds tight ends over there. Uh, so who, who knows what happens there? But Jared Cook to the Saints is definitely crucial to in, analyze from a fan perspective because we've been chasing the next Jimmy Graham since I'd say 2015 when this guy had 13 touchdowns and yep. was just the unstoppable force alongside Gronkowski. It was just you had him, you had Graham, you had Gronk and you were set the rest of the year at tight end, you were going to outscore your opponent, no doubt, at that position. And we haven't really seen that since. We've constantly been chasing it, and it, no one's been able to re- recreate it, whether it was Kobe Fleener's disgusting ass, whether it was Josh Hill, Ben Watson's corpse. We've never really seen that revival of a, a truly usable tight end, but Cook really gives it the best shot at it. I mean, last year on the disgusting Raiders, he had 101 targets, 68 catches, 896 yards, and 6 TDs, and was the tight end 5 in fantasy. And that was with the Raiders, with Derek Carr throwing him the ball in Gruden's just conservative, shitty system. Uh, and that's a testament to this guy's athleticism. Six foot five, 39 and a half vertical, was rumored to have run a 4 3 7 40 at his pro day. Jesus. I mean, just ridiculous athleticism for the size this guy is. And we've already seen Pay- Sean Payton maximize a size speed mismatch with Jimmy Graham. He's going to have the ultimate size speed mismatch with, with uh, Jared Cook here. And yeah, of course, you got Alpha number one, uh, Mike. 
Michael Thomas there. You got the smooth Alvin Kamara that he's not going to become, you know, down, bumped down on the target total pole. But Cook has a very clear cut path to that number three target. We never saw Trey Quan Smith as much as we wanted to happen emerge as a clear cut number two receiver. And there's no Ted Ginn is just kind of more the deep ball lid lifting guy. Cook could easily be the, the third highest targeted guy here. And this is the Saints offense that just consistently puts up point after point lives in the red zone where Cook's skill set would be deadly with that leaping ability with that size with a quarterback and Drew Brees that puts the ball wherever he wants it. Uh, this could be just monstrous in terms of fantasy. So he goes all the way up. Uh, he needs to be in everyone's top seven tight ends. He's my tight end five just where he finished last year with even more upside. There is that inconsistency. He's always been that big play like has those monster 180 yard days and then does nothing for four weeks. And he was similar to that last year. He was under double digits in nine of 16 games. So over half the time you weren't getting a, a truly usable stat line, but he had those monsters. And I think those monsters will be more consistent when you're in such a good offense as the Saints. Quick question, uh, going back to Gronk yeah. for just a second. This is purely speculative. I mean, I, there's no right or wrong here. You know how the Patriots offered Antonio Brown actually more than the Raiders ended up offering, and they were in the Steelers were like, screw you, and didn't trade him to the Patriots? <laughs> yeah, you think yeah. if they had gotten Antonio Brown, maybe Gronk would have hung around? I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. I, th- I think the radio uh, shows around here have been speculating a lot about that. Oh, like, really? when he looks at receiving core, he's like, well, I'm going to get the fucking shit beat out of me again because there's no one to take attention away. And this offense as a whole is going to be puttering a bit more. Why would I come back for that? There's a lot of speculation going on with that. And yeah, if you if you had that much of a loaded cast, Brown and, and Edelman outside you, and then you got Gronk. Yeah, how, I think that would be so enticing. And I honestly think maybe they could have paid him some more. I, I don't know that he, we did all we could to try to keep Gronk either. You know what I mean? I could I could have seen him come back. You said he's only 29. He still is, even though he looked a bit more banged up last year, he still was a very productive player, especially down the stretch. I could have seen him staying if we had something that exciting for him to be a part of. And who knows? Josh Gordon could show up in week nine or something and right. come back too. I mean, it's a possibility. Right. You know, for all for all the you know pain in the ass behavior from this guy, he seems to have kept a pretty good relationship with the Patriots. So, oh, they uh, love it. Brady always commenting on his posts, and Belichick still says that hey, we hope to have him back. Yeah, I, yeah. I really hope he makes his way back. We clearly need him at this point. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. All right, we're going to get into our featured segment. This is the team, the, the all-in team, and that is exactly what it sounds like. The guys where we have planted our flag, and we are in mid-March, well, mid to late March, declaring these are the guys we have to have now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we tend not to waver on stuff like this unless there are major developments over the course of the next five or so months. So we're just going to give you a little bit of a preview on who we like, why we like them, and uh, how much more we like them than the other so-called experts out there. We're going to start, and this should not surprise you, this is who we have been affectionately referring to as the 2019 uh, Pat Mahomes, Mm -hmm. not to be confused with the actual 2019 Pat Mahomes, who we'd also really love to have. But Baker Mayfield, uh, he's the quarterback on our all-in team, and we're 29 spots higher than the experts on Baker. We've talked about him a little bit, you know, not a little bit, a decent amount. You know, at, at, in our post Super Bowl podcast, obviously the acquisition of Odell Beckham, much improved, uh, you know, personnel in the backfield. Why? I mean, those are some of the reasons. How much do you love this guy? Where do you put him on your board? Why do you think the experts are so much lower on him than you? 
I mean, that's a tough question to answer. I don't see what there isn't to love other than the fact that he's not fully proven like was the case against Pat Mahomes last year. There's risk in the unknown. There's no real risk in my opinion here. I think this guy is going to be an absolute monster. And the only reason I – before I get into that, dude, how sad is it, though, that none of us are probably going to own Pat Mahomes because we don't take quarterbacks that early? Like, we've only had one year of it, and now it's over. It's too bad. The only time that I can think of with us jumping like that for QB is when you and I went in the high-stakes league uh, together. And yeah. when Cam Newton was around in, like, the third or fourth round, we were like, let's do it. And he was terrible. And he was terrible, and I will never do I never have and never will do that again. Uh, but Baker's a guy that bad. I will reach for compared to his, his price. I'm 29, 30 spots higher than him in the rankings because – and this was before even Odell gets there. And now I'm just all in completely head over heels for this guy. And I know more people will be bumping up their boards. They have been bumping up their boards, and I'm still six, seven spots higher than the experts because he's up to number two in my quarterback rankings. He's high as we were on Mahomes. I kind of made that mistake of – not going fully all in and he was right around my seven or eight QB which was still 10 spots higher than the experts but I want to just make that statement I there's no one else I'd rather have than Baker Mayfield outside of Mahomes so it's going to be Baker Mayfield that I have on all my teams in 2019 because he's not going to come at that third ish round price maybe second round who knows Mahomes might be a first rounder at this point I love the I loved before he even got Odell there I love Freddie Kitchens carrying over he exploded last year for a 4,500 pace under Freddie Kitchens after going for like a 30 3300 pace under Hugh Jackson. He knew how to use him the right way. They took more deep shots. He's got the second rated uh, number two deep ball in pro football focuses deep passer rating. And that was when he was throwing to like Rashard Higgins and Antonio Callaway down the field because we yeah. know Jarvis Landry wasn't chugging down there. So, yeah. I mean, to put up those stats with that type of weaponry and then you add in Odell Beckham, maybe the most explosive weapon in the entire game right now, one of the best deep threats we've seen and potentially ever in this game, but he's been just withering with friggin' Eli Manning's ducks sailing over his head. Those two are just going to be a, a match made in heaven, fantasy heaven, every heaven that you've ever thought about. So the surrounding talent upgrades with this, the best weapon in the game right now, Odell, getting there with the Freddie Kitchens, plus then they add Todd Munkin, who called uh, the, the second heaviest p- deep passing rate last year. Both um, Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick were the top two in yards per attempt and, and deep yardage, deep air yards per attempt last year. So we got the air Coriel with Kitchens, we got the air raid with Munkin, we got the elite talent all there. All of this is just, with the deep arm of Baker Mayfield, what a perfect marriage. It's one of those things where you just see all the stars aligning. We laid it out time and time again last year with Mahomes. Look at all these stars aligning, the talent, the deep arm, the play calling. All of that's in place for Baker Mayfield. There's no way I see this guy throwing for under 4,900, 5,000 yards or so and 30 to 40 touchdowns. This guy's going to be a fucking monster. I can't wait. All in. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I agree. And I had some doubts about Baker going into the year, uh, you know, last year. But man, I mean, I, he he's, he looks really good, and they just keep mm-hmm. putting more and more like you know really talented personnel around him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him up around. I, I think your yardage uh, estimate is a little bit high, but I could definitely see thirty to forty touchdowns. I could definitely see like a thirty-four touchdown season, which is a lot. I mean, that's a lot of touchdowns. Thirty-four, and, thirty-five and touchdowns. Absolutely. And think about the the Bucks quarterbacks. I mean, combined, and this is Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston, who I think we can both agree Baker Mayfield's better than. Yeah. They combined for fifty one or fifty two hundred yards, the most passing yards per game. Uh, it was over three hundred and twenty per game in, in the league last year, and that's with those two. So if we get a yeah, full but, season, well, I wonder what I wonder what Fitzpatrick averaged there. 
He was probably like averaging substantially more a game than Winston, I would guess, because he had Winston was still around three hundred. Yeah, Fitzpatrick had those like a couple I mean, he of those had several four hundred yard games. Like I, I, I know Fitzpatrick, he had some either way, too. It's still Fitzpatrick having those games. Well, I mean, this that's... is a good segue actually, because the next one that you're all in on is Jameis Winston, and I don't agree. I mean, I I agree that he could he has the potential to put up some real points. There's no way I'm ever gonna go all in on Jameis Winston on anything. So uh, you sell everybody on on all the weapons and the coach, and we've talked about this before, so a lot of this is going to be repetitive stuff. But uh, even with all that stuff, I would always have to hedge on Jameis Winston. I'm just saying that as a disclaimer before the Wolf talks about how all-in he is on him. So go ahead. And when I say all-in, this is all-in as my QB2. Baker Mayfield's my number one. I'm going all-in, but as my backup, because I like to at least have uh, my upside quarterback number one, and then definitely a good stab as number two, and then sometimes I balance it out with Phillip Rivers' floor. Winston's kind of that upside number two that I want to invest in. I agree that I mean, he's been so shaky at times over his career that you can't go all-in and just only draft Winston and be like, yeah, no, I'm set no, at quarterback. No, no, this no, no, no. God, no. Like, if you go Winston as your number one, then you have to have a Phillip Rivers or one of those high-floor guys to back him up. No doubt about it. But I do love the fact that at first I was going to go you know, completely out of the Bucks offense. They lost Monk and the guy I love. And then they bring in Bruce Arians, who might even be an upgrade over this. This guy is one of the most explosive play callers, the no-risk-it-no-biscuit type of mentality. Just the offensive scheme he's bringing is enough for me to want to fall in love with Winston. But even more important than that, in my opinion, would be the his just history as being a, a QB developer, a relationship builder, a guy that can just get his guys to feel comfortable with being criticized and not kind of wilting, which is what we've seen with Winston is he gets some heat and he, he starts to crumble and it really starts to shake and he just collapses by the end of it all. I think just the fact that Aaron's comes in is already like, this is my quarterback, Winston, there's no competition. I don't need Ryan Fitzpatrick back. I have my guy. The fact that they used to actually work together at QB camps, Winston used to go to his quarterback camp and and Aaron's kept saying you know I knew from when he was 14 this guy was going to be a star just the way he approached the game the way he loved the game and now I get a chance to work with him that's why I came out of retirement was a quarterback like Winston was available for me to, to be a mentor to and then you, you mix in the weapons I mean Mike Evans obviously yeah, one of the best I mean, in the game right now 6'5 you terror at every level of the field can do it in the red zone can go deep he averaged the second most deep yardage behind Tyree Kill last year so you got him you got Godwin stepping in the slot role they're rumored to be a 100 catch guy is what Bruce Arians said he expects out of him in that Larry Fitz slot role OJ Howard I mean 6'6 that moves faster than Mike Evans the cast is unbelievable the play calling will be fantastic and the development that's probably the most important part for me the development and the coaching he's going to get under Arians to build that confidence to keep him uh, even when he has a bad interception to keep his head even keeled I think Arians is the perfect guy for that uh, so that those three combined to me to, to make a humongous ceiling for Jameis Winston. I think it's very real that he could hit 45 to 4,830 plus TDs, and you'll get him in rounds nine or 10. Uh, a perfect quarterback, too. My all in quarterback, too. All right. That's fair enough. And that's actually not a bad case. I admit it. I'm going to be maybe glancing his direction if, if I can snag him late like that. All right. Let's talk about running backs. And I, I know you want to throw in a disclaimer before we actually talk about running backs because there's a guy that you're high on. That, that maybe we're not going to discuss in this respect because maybe you don't think you're going to end up snagging him. But talk to me about Joe Mixon for a second. 
Yeah, it's one of those things. Just not that bold to be all in on Joe Mixon, but I'm seven to eight spots higher than him. And when it's a guy that's going in round two, and I take him at seven overall, above pretty much all but six players, that means I'm pretty damn high on this guy. I love the talent. We've both raved about Joe Mixon's talent for two to three years as a versatile guy with unbelievable vision that's pretty much only matched by Le'Veon Bell when he's on the field. And now you put him in the the Todd Gurley style offense, Zach Taylor coming from that Ram system, and, and Mixon's already said he's talked to me. He said, I'm going to be that guy. He's training his body for 400 touches. There's no way he's going to get 400 touches, but to, to get 70-ish receptions potentially, in addition to 230 to 250 carries, just kind of like what Gurley's been doing these last couple of years, Mixon could light the world on fire. So if he's falling around two by the time drafts roll around, and right now he's averaging 15, 16 or so. So, I mean, if you can get like a, a DeAndre Hopkins at eight and then a, a Joe Mixon in 15, and I would take Mixon over. Hopkins, which is how all in I am on him, uh, you'd be off to a ridiculous start. So I just wanted to put that out there. I am I'm very all in on Mixon. I'm going to be higher on him than, than any expert's going to be out there at seven overall. All right, well, let's talk about Dalvin Cook. You're going to have a little bit of your work cut out for me selling me on him, not on his talent, but the fact that like we've seen serious to relatively serious injuries you know, uh, mm-hmm. plague him the last two years for a running back, especially a young guy like that. I mean, it makes me a little bit gun shy. Where do you see him falling in these drafts? And where do you think you could snag him to say, man, I got amazing value for him? I think he, you see him falling to late round two, which is kind of where McCaffrey was going by the end of last year. And that's kind of where I'm just like, that's an insane value because I think Cook presents as that like next Christian McCaffrey style upside. You already ironed out the, the two really scary points or the main, the, the only scary point, and that's health. Right. It's obviously a contentious point here if he's, he's missed significant time in two straight seasons. There's no debating that. And that's the only reason I think this guy would not hit, you know, 1,800 total yards and, and, 10 to 12 touchdowns because everything else checks out as perfect, near perfect for me. When you look at the fantasy stock formula, probably a 27, 28 talent. The vision's unreal. The receiving ability is up there with any back in the league. The acceleration, the, the way he just reads his blocks, everything about him as a runner and a pass catcher, I think are, are fantastic. But now he gets the Gary Kubiak effect mixed in, which I love more than anything. Uh, you know, Kubes from his Broncos. I days, do just know Kubes. An insane a drone zone blocking running scheme for so many years. He had 22 offenses total that he's coordinated. 14 of those have been top 10 in rushing. 10 of those have finished among the top five. So nearly half the time he's been top five in the league in rushing. Half those teams have been top five in rushing TDs because he loves to pound it in when they get close. That's why, you know, when you see the Texans, Andre Johnson would have like 1,800 yards and like three touchdowns on the year. Because right. then Steve Slayton would have like 15 touchdowns on the ground. Steve or Slayton. Aaron Foster would Ugh. be, you know, 30 touchdowns. It was ridiculous. Because Coobs just likes to run it when he gets in close. He just likes to run it in general all the time. And that scheme is just so productive. 15 of his running backs have topped 1,200 yards and 13 have gone 1,480, 10 over 1,600, 7 over 1,800. I mean, it's just that you can pile it on and on and on. And when he's had the elite talents, the Clinton Portises, the Terrell Davises, the Arian Fosters, those guys have all gone for you know 2,000 total yard, 18 plus TD monsters. And I think Cook is much more on par with those guys than, let's say, the Olandis Garys, the Mike Anderson. 
Andersons, the Ruben Drones, the Steve Slaytons, who have still gone for over 1,510 touchdown seasons, and those guys are nobodies. So you give me a talent like Cook, you put him in this scheme that's made these type of monsters out of nobodies and, and elite talents alike, it's almost perfect to me other than health, and health is a huge risk. He grades as like a 4 or 5 on, out of you know a bottom barrel risk score, but other than that, he grades out so perfectly that it's one of those things where as a late second round pick, if you can just bet on the health and you get those 16 games, even 15 games, you're getting yourself an absolute animal. So I love him this year. I'm going to be all in on Cook, especially if he keeps falling to late round two. All right. I hear you on that. And that's actually another, this is good sales pitches for you right now. Uh, okay. I take uh, it. <laughs> the Chiefs backfield. Now we've got Carlo Hyde, Carlos Hyde in the mix. Obviously, you and I were extremely high, and a lot of other people on Damian Williams, although we were higher on him than a lot of people. Um, now Carlos like Hyde's here. Yeah, yeah, now Carlos Hyde's here. What do you think? I mean, what do you make of this backfield? You still think there's value to be had, obviously. I definitely think there's still value to be had because even though I am suspecting, you know, suddenly questioning Damian Williams's value right now with Hyde being inserted there. I dropped him 20-ish spots because of it, and I'm still 16 spots higher than the ECR uh, when he's down at 34. So if he's going around pick 50, which is where he's ranked right now, there's no brainer he's going to be on every single one of my teams. He took those usage question marks because Hyde does come in there, and now there's a risk that maybe Hyde takes that job. And sure, that makes Damian Williams a much greater fantasy risk, but this is a guy that scored 10 touchdowns in only six weeks that averaged 20 22 and a half fantasy points in that span as a starter. Brett Veach comes and saying it's Damien's job to lose. So there's still tons of upside. I'm not saying I'm off the Damien Williams train. It's that, again, I'm still 15 spots, 16 spots higher than the experts, even after giving him a drop of 20 points. Uh, and the thing you got to do, though, and what happens now is if, if you draft Damian Williams, and if you don't draft Damian Williams regardless, you have to draft Carlos Hyde. Again, whether you own Williams or not, you have to have Carlos Hyde this year, too. He's going around like pick 150 right now. And Hyde's, I think, in my opinion, just as talented, if not a more talented runner than Damian Williams. This yep. guy's a bruiser. I've, I just feel like he's never truly gotten his due. He, he just always gets it done and doesn't look sexy, but he's a, he's a bulldozer. He's always churning forward. And when you give him the holes that he would find in this offense when you got Pat Mahomes leading the charge and you got all these deep weaponry around him and you can't stack the box against that that's why Damian Williams and Kareem Hunt yeah they're talented guys but they have just been feasting on this glorious setup so maybe that does end up being Carlos Hyde everyone says oh his receiving ability sucks and it's not you know that's going to keep him back and that's why you can stay all in on Williams Hyde did have 59 catches just two seasons ago under Kyle Shanahan yeah it's not nothing that, that's not nothing. And, and I mean, Damian Williams himself has come out and said in high school, my, I couldn't catch the ball at all. My high school coach called me after the season and was like, when the hell did you learn how to do this? You couldn't even catch a screen ball. Uh, and he said, you know, Andy Reid put me on the jugs every day at practice, developed me. So who says, you know, Carlos Hyde can't get that similar guidance, can't blossom under that type of guidance, just as Damian Williams did when he became a chief. So to me, I, I'm all in on the backfield. I'm going to get both guys just to lock up that number one running back. Andy Reid's old always provided the volume to one guy. He's always ridden a key horse. His running backs have averaged just under 20 fantasy points per game because he's always been such a, a number one running back style guy. I just don't know which one it's going to be at this point. So if it only takes me the 53rd-ish overall yeah. pick, 
in the 175th pick to find out one of those guys is going to be a top seven guy, <laughs> in my opinion. Obviously, if you go both of them and it becomes a committee and a timeshare out of nowhere and Hyde gets the touchdowns and Williams gets the passing guy, that would suck. But in my opinion, it's never been that way under Reed. And so for a mid-round and a late-round investment, you're getting yourself a real shot at a top seven guy. To me, that's a no-brainer all-in move. All right, so when we get to wide receivers, obviously there's some guys uh, near the top of the chart. But there's some guys that you are interested in, later round guys. And, and when we talk about later round guys, uh, th- I mean, I've always thought this is, you know, obviously you can win your draft with like the, the player of the year or something. But if you have these later round guys and you're able to snag, you know, three or four of them, which is not that unreasonable when you're talking about guys that are somewhat below the radar for other people, these are league winners. Like this is adding depth to your bench this is this is like always having a number three receiver or or a number two receiver if they pan out never having to worry about who you're gonna you know put in your flex because you've always got a viable option and there's a few guys you like and so this is a pretty good list you like to have a couple pieces of this air raid offense this alleged air raid offense in arizona uh there's been a lot of talk about kyler murray going as the number one pick in arizona you know farewell josh rosen if that is true and you obviously are interested in both Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. Absolutely. Uh, the, as you mentioned, the, this air raid offense, the alleged air raid offense, I think it's going to be a, a bombshell. I really was impressed with Drew Hollingshead. We had him on a three to four podcasts ago um, who coaches under air raid guru Mike Leach. And what I think was important, the, the, maybe the biggest takeaway from the entire interview with him was you think air raid, and it just sounds like bomb, 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 bomb all over the place. And that's why I think everyone's just like, oh, Larry Fitzgerald, old man, like he doesn't have those legs to, to thrive in an air raid offense but what he made very clear is yes there's the you know the four verticals and there are some deep routes involved here but this offense is actually meant for the wide receivers who can kind of be savvy in their roots and and know when to pause a route and find that soft spot and know you know how who can ever rack up the yards after the catch it's all about creating these huge space opportunities for these wide receivers and Larry Fitz is as smart as they come as savvy of a route runner as there is and he's still great as after the catch the guy's a horse when he runs with the ball so to me Larry Fitz, and, and, and this is what Drew said as well, Larry Fitz just fits everything you'd want out of an air raid receiver. So I think there's this misconception of what the air raid's meant to do and what Larry Fitzgerald's skill set is. It, it's, it actually matches the air raid offense perfectly. Now, Christian Kirk is, is more athletic at this point, and he can also run the entire route tree. So he might come with some more upside. Maybe that's why he's ranked significantly higher than Larry Fitz. But I'm still, you know, I'm 52 spots higher than the experts on Fitz. I'm about 10 spots higher than, uh, than them on Kirk, and I, I'd, I'll take them both. I want a piece of that air raid offense because I do think it's going to pan out, especially I, I'd be a little bit hurt if it ends up being Josh Rosen and not Kyler Murray throwing the ball. This ranking kind of assumes Murray is going to be the guy because that, that gets me real jazzed up because you know our guy has, has said he wanted to, not our guy, but the, their coach has, has already come out and said, this is the guy I would take number one overall. This is who I'd want to build an offense around. So If that ends up being it, I, I'm going to be all in on Larry Fitz and, and Christian Kirk to get some pieces of that air raid offense. So, first of all, I think that Murray would be a good pick for Arizona. But I, I want to just say, I just want to go on record as saying I'm not convinced that Josh Rosen's terrible. I'm, I'm, yeah, he might not be. I'm, I'm really not convinced. I mean, what a, I mean, what a terrible team that he was put on and asked to like to run. And they they were better with him <laughs> in than not with him in. I mean, they they were. 
I know like he didn't look great, but what an awful team he was put on. So I'm not, I mean, I, it, I'm, I'm willing to believe someone is going to trade for Rosen at, you know, 20 cents on the dollar and get a decent yep. quarterback out of it. I really think that's going to happen. I could be wrong. Maybe he's a total bust, but I haven't seen anything that makes me think the guy's a bust. So uh, if they move on, I feel like he, he's value for somebody. I, I think so, too, Nat. I mean, you're talking about a guy that has all the arm talent in the world as well, and you'd get for cheaper than you paid, obviously. You might only take a second round, maybe even a third round pick is yeah. what's being offered right now. And this is going to be a quarterback under a very cost-controlled contract as a, as a rookie. That That's when you, you find the these teams, they find the right rookie, and they can buy so much talent because it's so few dollars invested in the quarterback position. If somebody takes a risk on Rose and he does end up panning out with all that arm talent, you're now in the golden setup that's made, you know, Jared Goff's rookie contract right. has let cheap. them go out and get all dirt cheap. So they've gone out and just loaded talent around him. No one, if he gets with the right coach and coordinator, there's no saying Josh Rosen can't have and, a Jared Goff turnaround. I'm with you. Absolutely. And I also, and I'm not saying at all that this situation would be an ideal situation for anybody to fall in, but let just be honest. Would you rather have Eli Manning or Josh Rosen? Oh, Josh Rosen, hundred percent. I think the giants of would be course. foolish to not consider him of for a course, second or third. Right? I mean, like, what a no brainer! Anyway, that would be, be, be the first smart thing they do this offseason if they go and sign Josh Rosen. I don't I mean, they're so, but I mean, yeah, you know, I that, that might be, that might be another so, place to kill his career, though. Who knows? Anyway, I would uh, see the Patriots go after him. To be honest, think, oh my be, gosh, like, seriously, seriously, right? A potential successor, get him in the system. I would love to see that move. Yeah, I bet you would. I, I hope it doesn't <laughs> happen. Dd Westbrook. <laughs> Uh, this is a guy that we've been high on at various times, been disappointed with at various times, but the talent is unmistakable. Uh, and there's a lot of talent, uh, you know, surrounding him now, and he's got a real quarterback, right? A real quarterback with a real hog in the pants and Nick Foles. I, yeah. I mean, what what's better than that? Blake, Blake Bortles he gets routed there and Nick Foles, humongous surrounding talent upgrade. Even if Foles, like, I don't think he's this you know, world beater. No, but he's a solid starting quarterback, I think. He's a Super Bowl MVP, and I saw it firsthand. And he got the, the third highest vacated target total here is somehow in this anemic passing game. 257 targets are now up for grabs. And that's probably going to be even more volume because John DeFilippo is coming in as their offensive coordinator. He was the pass happiest mind in the NFL till he got fired at week 13 for being too pass happy. He averaged 40 pass attempts per game, the highest pass rate at 67% before getting the, the axe there. Yeah, I get Doug Marone. He's kind of a hard-nosed guy and wants to pound the rock, but DeFilippo is going to be the one calling the offense, and he's going to be calling a ton of pass plays. And even better is his track record of developing his slot guys and dominating production from that position. Adam Thielen last year was the number two wide receiver, averaging 18.5 points per game while John DeFilippo was there. And then he collapsed at the, the late season stretch run when they moved on from DeFilippo. But this guy was a monster. And Adam Thien's a great talent. And I'm not saying Westbrook's on that level. But you look at Nelson Aguilar. He's been useless the rest of his career. But when DeFilippo was there last year, uh, he goes and has, or two years ago, he has eight touchdowns, moves under the slot. Uh, DeFilippo recommended that move and just schemed a lot of deep, deep plays out of the slot too, which Westbrook, he's got that 4-4 speed. He played 73 point. 9% of his snaps out of the slot caught all five of his touchdowns last year from the slot. It was the most of any wide receiver in the NFL. So you got this guy who had some real production last year with an awful quarterback uh, and now gets a guy that can call way better plays out of the slot and gets a quarterback that can actually throw the ball. To me, that's a ton of right boxes getting checked off for Westbrook. And this guy's going well beyond pick 100 right now. That's a ton of upside in my opinion. 
All right, Dante Moncrief. This is another guy that we've we've both been burned on in the past. I know. And but but you one one thing about you, you like you're hesitant. You're hesitant to get away. You you identify the specs for guys that you really like. Like oh my gosh, freak athlete. And it's like it's not like you're wrong. And then like they'll disappoint us. And then you're like ah, I'm out on this guy. And then the next season rolls around. And you're like ah, he's still big. He's still fast. <laughs> So what it's do you so think? True. But to me, it's yes, you see those specs and you see some on field too. I, I'm, I'm a big specs guy. I'm a big athlete guy. I love the, the advanced analytics. But I'm also – I do love watching the tape and I like seeing how people perform when situations are around them that now are matching the situation that I think Moncrief finds himself in. So the last time this guy actually had a legitimate – I mean I guess we'll start with his specs because – Go ahead. That, that's Let's talk easiest. about the things that really are getting you excited. 6'2", 220 pounds, combine four, leading 4'4". Four, 40-inch four, vertical? Uh, almost 40-inch vertical and also led the combine. So this guy's always going to be the limit when you got that size, that leaping ability, and that speed. It's just deadly if you can be used the right way. Uh, and now, though, he goes from the disgusting Jaguars, obviously you're going to rot on the Jaguars, to now going to the most open, wide-open aerial pie in the NFL when you get Antonio Brown and Jesse James out of there. Uh now it's 240 targets are available, 2,547 air yards are available, and sure, Juju Smith's going to be the largest commander of that aerial pie, but that's an enormous size aerial pie in Pittsburgh. you got a Hall of Fame quarterback in Big Ben. To me, who's going to seize that? I think it could easily be Dante Moncrief, who the team bought in, and especially if the Steelers, who evaluates receivers better than the Steelers. So if they want to go out and get Moncrief and pay him a decent-sized contract, I'm going to believe in that scouting department because they really have not missed on a wide receiver in quite some time. Uh, the, the Steelers haven't. And then you look at, you know, what did this guy do when he actually had decent quarterback play? I mean, the last two seasons he's been destroyed and anchored by Blake Bortles and Jacoby Brissett. No one's going to produce in that hell. But when he had Andrew Luck on the field, uh, Moncrief got banged up at times too. But there's over those two seasons before, they had 14 games together. Moncrief recorded 12 touchdowns almost per game when Andrew Luck and him were both on the field. So, I mean, he's got uh, that. And that makes sense. He's got that size, speed, leaping ability combo. When you got a quarterback that can actually throw the ball and take advantage of that, he's produced. And now he's going to find that quarterback. This is a guy that has all the measurables of Martavis Bryant without the on off field drama. And even better, he's not going in round four or five. He's going around like 15. So uh, to me, that that's a no brainer. We'll see what else they do in the off season. If they probably draft some wideouts as well, but I just really love it. 181 ECR especially, I think that needs to be 100 spots higher. Moncrief just drips in upside, and either way, he's going to be a screaming bargain. I, I want him on my team this year. All right, you thought the Moncrief thing was a long shot. Now let's give you the long shot to end all long shots here. And this, of course, is household name Trey Quinn, who uh, plays for the Washington professional football team. And the Wolf likes him not 40, not 100, not 150, not 200, but 240 spots higher than the experts. Um, probably not a man that a lot of people have even heard of. Even a lot of experts haven't even heard of him. Why in the world are we going to spend a couple minutes on this podcast listening to you defend this guy? 
Uh, two words, slot, slut. I mean, Trey Quinn was the 2018 Mr. Irrelevant pick, but I think the upside is massive for 2019 rankings. The, the Jamison Crowder departure to the Jets, Maurice Harris going to the Patriots, has opened up the ninth most air yards, 1273, and I think Quinn's going to get the majority of that as the new slot featured weapon. So just before I get into why I call him a slot slut, let's just look at why he's such a slot you know, desirable weapon, leading the NCAA in receptions 114, with most of that damage coming from the slot, over 75% of it, seven of his TDs coming from the slot, and he had the lowest drop rate at 1.7% of that receiver class. Yeah, his, his 44.55 isn't great, but he had that that awesome short area burst at 6.913 cone time. That's just great for dominating the game. Area guy in that congested space, but why I really love this is because Case Keenum is now the quarterback for the Redskins, at least as of today. Maybe that changes, and then my ranking of Quinn will get adjusted. But I still think he's going to have such a significant uh, piece of this pie. But Case Keenum, no quarterback has thrown to the slot more than Case Keenum over the last two years. Adam Thielen, two years ago, led the league with his 25% target share out of the slot. Then Emmanuel Sanders was dominating with 23.7%, third in the league at, at that percentage was the wide receiver 10 prior to his injury, just as Adam Thielen was two seasons ago. So two top 10 receivers because of Case Keenum's tendency to pepper the slot. I'm not going to go out and get crazy and say Quinn's as good as either of those guys, but when you get that type of volume and there's that much up for grabs, I bet you he sees at least 20-ish percent of the targets and approaches you know 900 ish yards for a guy this is a guy going and i picked 270 maybe even more than that because i'm 240 spots higher and i haven't met 100 so this guy going at 360 i think he has real 80 to 90 catch upside (laughs) what that means is is in 20 team leagues with 16 spots on each roster the guy's not getting drafted yeah, exactly. Like, and that's absurd to me for a guy that definitely has very real eighty to ninety catch, nine hundred to a thousand even yard upside. You're gonna look so I, smart if if this even a little bit pans out. Know, it's gonna be crazy. But Jay Gruden loves the guy. Even last year, gushed the quiet assassin, very quarterback friendly, detailed in the route, got strong hands. This is a guy we're gonna rely on to play multiple spots. That was last year, and that was when there was a very congested uh, depth chart, and the guy made the team as the last overall pick of the draft. And now he's going to step into a more prominent role. I, I don't know how he's not on more radars right now. All right. I mean, this is one of those where it's like you're kind of playing with house money on this one. It's like no one's going to go like too high for this. If if like if Trey Quinn doesn't work out, like what you know, who's going to so rub be, that in yeah. your face, right? So good luck. I'm I'm pulling for him. He's on my radar now. All right. Yeah. Let's hit the tight ends quickly. We got three guys that you're interested in. OJ Howard, you mentioned earlier, but you can give us a little more on him. And then, uh, real quick to wrap things up, we'll finish with Vance McDonald. And of course, we couldn't really do a Roto Street podcast without bringing the Beanstalk back. Uh, uh, Jack Doyle, maybe. we're going to close things out with. So, why don't you start us out with OJ Howard? I uh, well, one just the athleticism: six six, two fifty one pound mammoth that blazes a four five one forty into an offense that Bruce Aaron just loves to send weapons deep that loves mismatches and, and deploying them. 
there's so much to these rumblings that that those uh-huh. tight ends he's had Bob Hausler and like Jermaine Gresham to throw to. This is a different type of beast than anybody has in the league, and I think Arians will use that speed size to the absolute fullest. He's averaged 16.6 yards per catch in his first two seasons. That's absurd. And now you got the a ton of available offense with. Um, Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphrey's gone. That's 83 targets, 15, 60, and 9 TDs between just those two. And that's 2,193 uh, yards and 229 total targets uh, in terms of the whole team now available inside Bruce Arians' explosive schemes. This guy was tight end five in points per game last year, one of only six tight ends to have over 10 points per game, and now has that much more of a setup to dominate. I love it. I I think he's going to be a monster um, this season. All right. Well, uh, Vance McDonald, I've heard you talk about him as well. I mean, obviously the departure of Antonio Brown, there's there's more catches available. We saw some good stuff out of McDonald last year, uh, along with his catching. I mean, there was a couple of times I saw him just straight up run people over like a bulldozer. Oh, stiff arm, dude? Yeah. yeah it's unbelievable against the, San, the 49ers on Monday oh, Night Football. That was ridiculous. Oh, absolutely insane. Uh, but similar case for McDonald. He's not as obviously gifted as O.J. Howard, but this is a very strong athlete, very big at 6'4", um, a great vertical ability, and he's getting a huge slice of the aerial pie opened up there with Brown and Jesse James gone. That's 240 targets, 2,547 air yards, second most in the league. The reason we were just raving about Dante Moncrief, that available volume is also available to Vance McDonald. He's a, as you mentioned, the stiff arms, very good yak threat, good on the, the screen game. He moved all over the place in college, especially out of the slot. And so a, a team that's lacking a lot of dependable pass catching options. We've seen Big Ben make this guy a focal point before. He had 16 targets and 10 catches for 112 yards in a playoff game against the Jaguars two seasons ago. So, I mean, this guy has his trust, and now he's going to have a ton more of a load to shoulder. I as long as he holds up, which has been the big thing with McDonald, he always gets hurt. But if he holds up, there's some, there's like George Kittle sneaky upside to this game. That's a lot of sneaky upside. That's a ton of upside. Speaking of a lot of stuff, Jack Doyle, the beanstalk the bean. himself. You know, every now and then you start to think, man, we're not going to be able to talk about I mean, it's going to be a sad day when the beanstalk's not rele- relevant enough to talk about. That day is not today. No, um, it's what not. What do you have to say about Jack Doyle? I mean, the guy is in Frank Reich's ultimate tight end friendly scheme, and he got limited all year by a hip injury in 2018, had to have recovering from it, but he's expected to be ready by training camp. And when he was active, he was a monster. That that injury was what let Ebron just explode. In addition to, you know, Reich using Ebron very well, but it was the weeks when, when Doyle was there that make me think there's some sneaky upside to this guy. Played 93, 96, 73, 87, and 82% of the snaps in the, the five full weeks as compared to just 45, 26, 21, 38, and 40% for Ebron. So nearly double the snaps of Eric Ebron saw 29 more targets as compared to 15 for Ebron in those said games. Uh, we know again, again, Frank Reich, the tight end volume is huge for his, uh, for his seam stretchers. So when you got that much higher used guy coming at half the price right now, yeah, I like Ebron and his touchdown making ability and the way his athleticism is used in the red zone. He's still a guy I would love to have. But I'm going to go with the guy that I can get in round 13 instead of the guy I have to take in round six for sure. And a guy who's made at least one Nutcracker set appearance. Let's not forget. Maybe the biggest Nutcracker set's coming too. I absolutely love that. That's true. That's true. He might be back in the set. Um, All right. That's going to wrap it up for the actual football 
issues, of course, that we're going to talk about since this is primarily a fantasy football podcast. But I did want to mention one or two things on the way out. First thing I wanted to mention to you is, have you seen that there's a Settlers of Catan Game of Thrones themed set that has come oh, out? I, I- I own that. <laughs> okay. this is one. I saw it in a store the other day, and I was of like... Of course, yeah, Target or something. I yeah, think that's I was where like, I yeah, it. I got to tell the wolf about this, although, I mean... Of course. Yeah, so is, is it everything you hoped it would be? I haven't even cracked into it, just because I'm, like, too nervous to... It just looks so beautiful, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, like, a whole new wrinkle to it, too. That's the one thing I, I thought was just going to be kind of like Settlers of Catan with, like just different style pieces that look like Game of Thrones characters. But now there's different. like a whole wall and there's all this new gameplay that uh, whenever I play Catan, I'm usually, uh, speaking of edibles, obliterated by that point. So I we, we tried it once and we're like, what the fuck is this wall? What do we do? Someday I will play it and I will let you know exactly how good <laughs> yeah, it is. What the fuck is this wall? <laughs> yeah, you got, before you play with Thrones, you got to drink some milk of the poppy and make sure uh, that uh, you're okay. Man, I, did I tell you how much I've been into mead lately? Yeah, you mentioned mead. I think I mentioned that a couple podcasts ago. That's a, that's a good Game of Thrones drink right there. Some mead. Sure. Fantastic. I mean, you should yeah. just drink a lot of red wine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. And also, I mean, you know, we got Game of Thrones coming up soon. We got, I believe, I believe that we are 19 days away. It is, it's so, exactly 19 days away. I checked it right before we started recording. Right, right. We might have a fantasy game. I know this is you, fantasy football podcast, and we do, we kind of cut all our TV shows branding-wise, but we might craft a separate URL or something like that. I'll, I will be sure to drop it on the next Fullback Diet episode if we do. I've made rankings. I'll, I'll I put mean, it that you, already made rankings in a scoring system. So, I mean, I remember when the last season ended and us just kind of being like, yeah, the next season's going to come out in like spring of 2019, and we both just wanted to kill ourselves. I, I mean, know. it was it's just, and I mean, it's here. Like, it's about here. It's, here. it's about to happen. Absolutely here. Do you have? Should we make a couple predictions, or do we save that for a, an exclusive pod, just a Game of Thrones pod? I mean, I'm willing to do a Game of Thrones pod, and I'm also willing to just talk shit right now. It's up to you. But if you want to save the content for an actual like spinoff Game of Thrones pod, I'm fine with doing that. Do a game, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do a Game of Thrones pod. Maybe the next time we record, you got it. We got to do it justice. The last fucking season, we won't do a Game of Thrones every week. It's or only anything. six episodes, <laughs> you know. I know, but a couple of them are like two hours too. No, so. I think the longest one's like eighty minutes. I I I, I had also can. I mean, I hope you're right, but I look. I saw all the run times of them, and it was like they're like, oh, they're like movies. And they were like 80 minutes. I'm like, they had 80 minute ones like last year. I don't know. Yeah, that's nothing. That I hope it's two though. hours. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I've been rewatching. I've been rewatching. I'm, I'm, uh, I've been watching them with my wife because she was too stubborn to watch it the first time around. And so we're rewatching it. And I'm, we're two episodes into the seventh season. So we got eight more episodes. Oh, to... wow. Anna crushed all that with you. Oh yeah. She, she's like, what, what's uh, she's... your thoughts on it? You, you know, this is one of those things where it's like you, you, don't get that many just undisputed victories when you're a husband in a, in a marriage. <laughs> and this is one of those things where it's like, I have been proven so right on this that it's like, she, she admitted to me the other day that it's the greatest show in the history of television. And, wow. and this is somebody who like, is stubborn to the point where she was just like, I'm not going to watch Game of Thrones when it was on. And I, then, that's, that last we talked, that's what you told me. She's she's dug her heels and she's never well, going to watch. So that's probably, probably not last we talked, but like most of like the first 80 percent of times we talked, like that's how she'd been. I mean, okay, it, it, started, what, yeah, yeah. it started because she she read the books and she loved mm. them. And uh, then I was like, you got to watch the show. And then she watched yeah. the show. And after about two or three seasons, she was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. 
And I was oh, like, yeah, awesome. I've been telling you that for like 10 years. Yeah, it really is. I, and I'm, try, I'm trying not to, to be like super, super <laughs> smug, but I'm so smug. You have to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know Anna too. And I can, I am just, I can't even believe she admitted that to your face. She admitted it months after it was obvious. It was true. Like she couldn't yeah. hold on anymore. She was <laughs> just too excited to watch the next episode and stuff. It's like, eventually like she had to say it, it pained her a lot. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure it did, but no, it, it is truly the best. Yeah, we got We got to do some coverage of it. Let's do right. that. We'll, we'll, we'll get one of these in. Well, before before the next 19 days, we'll get one in. Um, and that's it for this podcast. Sorry, we rambled a little bit, but if you watch Game of Thrones and if, if you don't watch Game of Thrones, you're an outlier and you're the problem, not us. Um, you got any social media you want to push? Football related stuff? Of course, uh, Roto Street Wolf is where you can find me personally, and we are of Roto. Journal, Roto Street Journal, Roto Street Journal on Instagram and Facebook, Roto ST Journal on Twitter. This is, of course, the Fancy Fullback Dive, paving your path to 2019 titles. So if you liked what you heard, if you're, and you're not already a subscriber, we would love and appreciate your subscription or a review. Yeah, give us uh, a review, us for God's sakes. Come on. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, and start letting us know what you want to hear. You know, this is that part of the offseason. We're going to start definitely cranking up our guest interviews in terms of getting some wolves on here, getting some beat writers on here. But we have some flexibility in what type of segments we can do. So I, I feel like at times I get repetitive because it's just like the same eight to nine guys I always want to talk about. So if there's other guys you want opinions on, if you got dynasty questions, any of that stuff. We can definitely get a mailbag going again. We can get you guys on the podcast. It's just uh, limitless what we can do with the podcast at this stage of the offseason uh, of all. So if you're listening now and you're that into fancy football that you're listening to this podcast at this time, we don't, we'll have you on. So let us know what we can do, how we can help you, what segments you want to hear, all that good stuff. Um, that's why we're here, so to interact with you guys. But follow us all on all those channels and let us know how we're doing. All right. My name's Nat Truth Jones. And I'm the Wolf. See you guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.